0: The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord.
1: Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask that you meet us here now. Help us to believe that you have seen to it that we are here in this moment. Help us to believe that You see us in all of our beauty and in all of our fragmentation and all of our contradictions. And you're not surprised by that. You just continue to be here in our presence with love, pursuing us always, renewing us, restoring us, healing us. And so help us to believe that. Help us to be present to your presence that's already among us and in us. Give us grace today to believe you have something you want us to hear and so help us to be receptive we pray in jesus name amen well today on the church calendar is called the baptism of our lord many churches i would say majority of churches all over the country all over the world are going to be talking about the baptism of jesus today i love baptisms by the way weddings and baptisms i've done a lot of both i've been very lucky pastor to do as many as I've done. It makes up for so much of the heartbreak of ministry, to be completely honest. I remember my own baptism. I was raised uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention, Lakeside Baptist Church, Lakeland, Florida. I was 12 years old. I was dressed in a white gown. I remember being dunked by the pastor, Cornelius Davis, and coming out of the water, feeling the obvious presence of freezing cold air because it was freezing in that church. And I just remember kind of being woken up by that. Not very spiritual. So we have a better baptism story today, the baptism of Jesus. The first question that comes to mind when the phrase baptism of Jesus is, why? I mean, I can understand, Fred, why you need to be baptized. (laughs) But Jesus? Let's talk about that in a second. But first, a brief introduction to Mark's gospel, because we're going to be spending a little time in the book of Mark and the book of John throughout the spring. It was the first of all the gospels, and I want you to know that Mark is going to feel like he's in a hurry. He skips past all the birth and shepherds and all the stuff we just spent contemplating. He goes straight to the action. He'll use the word immediately around a hundred times in the gospel. Mark is like this man who burst into the room and says. Guess what happened? That's Mark. I'm going to tell you about this, and then this happened, and then this, and immediately, and immediately, and immediately, and immediately. He's practically out of breath, it seems. He's going to tell you as much as he can really fast. So he's not going to give you a lot of detail. That's Mark. So buckle up. He's got a lead foot as a storyteller. And for those of you who like short and to-the-point Shermans, excuse me, Shermans, (laughs) For those of you who like short and to-the-point sermons, and that would be all of you, mm -hmm, Mark is your man. Then there is this character, John the Baptist. He's out there 15 miles east straight downhill from Jerusalem in the muddy waters of the Jordan, which are fed at its beginning in what is now Lebanon from the snowmelt of Mount Hermon. I remember seeing the Jordan for the first time thinking they would, why would anyone get baptized in this muddy water? It didn't square with the pristine images I grew up with as a child. And John the Baptist is an odd one. Mark tells us he was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey eccentric. He was baptizing. Think ancient cleansing ritual, because that's what he was doing, for the forgiveness of sins. And so people came confessing their sins. John was happy to baptize, but it was more than just abandonment of personal sin that John was calling for. He was baptizing them into something, to get ready for something much larger. Much more comprehensive. God is getting ready to act, John would say, and you want to be a part of this. God is bringing about a new way of organizing the world, and the the way from the way the world is typically ordered by the powers that be. And of course, in John's in Mark's in John's world, that would be Rome, the empire, with its values of violence, coercion. Acquisition. Inequality. Injustice. Lies. John is inviting people into a new imagination for a new world in contrast to the values of empire. The first indication of this is found in Jesus's baptism because it provokes a dove. It says, just as he was coming up out of the water, He saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. A dove. Why is that important? Let me introduce you to something called ancient Roman agury, A-G-U-R-Y. Agury is the practice from ancient Roman religion of interpreting omens from the observed behavior of birds, Game of Thrones, anyone? When the individual known as the Agur interpreted these signs, it is referred to as taking the auspices. So Mark, we believe, wrote his gospel while in Rome, somewhere in the late 60s or 70s. Any Roman reading Mark's gospel, believe me, was connecting the dots, the dots that i want you to connect as well connect to the subversive message of mark's gospel here's the message the holy spirit god came upon jesus not in the form of an eagle the symbol of the roman empire but a dove the eagle was the representative bird of the roman empire it was on their seal It was on their military standards. It was on their flags, etc., etc. Hawks and doves then and now are symbols of war and peace and violence and gentleness. And that Jesus was identified as God's beloved son by a dove and not an eagle is instructive, deeply subversive, and absolutely beautiful. This conveys actually the same message of Jesus coming to Jerusalem on a donkey instead of a war horse on Palm Sunday the war horse is the preferred vehicle of Caesar and all that Caesar stands for but the reign of God inaugurated by Jesus is not the Empire of Caesar but the peaceable kingdom of Jesus and right out of the gate Mark is reminding us that this king will not be like the other ones this one is led by the Holy Spirit. This Jesus who will later teach in everything do to others as you would have done as you would have them do unto you, for this is the law and the prophets. That's the ministry of the dove. That's the Holy Spirit. This would get Jesus killed. because in what might be my favorite Barbara Brown Taylor quote of all and I have many, Jesus was not killed by atheism and anarchy. He was brought down by law and order allied with religion, which is always a deadly mix. Or as James Waterman Weiss said, when fascism comes to America, it will be wrapped in the flag and carrying a cross. See, John the Baptist is calling his converts and calling us to a singular allegiance. And it's not to flags with its violence, warmongering, and injustices, but to the reign of God in a world marked by, in the world marked by love, mercy, forgiveness, and above all else, self sacrificial love. You can all read between the lines, I know, of what I'm saying here. As I said at the beginning of the service, what we saw on Wednesday included a large subset of people who have abandoned their baptismal identity full stop. And here's what I mean by that, and it's a warning, not merely a rebuke of others. Hear me here. One of the most radical things about the Christian faith is that it subordinates security, which is the obsession of empire, to love of God, love of neighbor, even love of enemy. In the philosophy of empire, nothing, and I mean nothing, is more sacred than security. But the reign of God has different priorities they might get you killed it did Jesus here's how Bernice King daughter of Martin Luther King jr. put it Christ is not American the church that follows Christ is global churches in the US should not be embassies for America but for the kingdom of God the national anthem is not a gospel song And the nationalistic rhetoric of America first is contrary to Christ. Or to paraphrase Stanley Howellis, in our obsession to make America Christian, we ended up making Christianity American. In our obsession to make America Christian, we ended up making Christianity American. Think about that. We saw that on display Wednesday. We follow the king whose symbol is a dove and not an eagle, who comes comes in on a donkey, not a war horse, who is depicted as a lamb. Our baptismal identity demands that we take up his agenda always, and it's the agenda of love. Christ has replaced Caesar and all those with Caesar's agenda as ruler of the world. John's head would be on a platter in a year or so from this writing for declaring exactly that. So what was Jesus Jesus doing there then? Why was he being baptized into his own movement? Because his movement involves standing in solidarity with all that needs to be repented of, of all that needs to be repaired, Because repentance is not merely from personal mistakes, it is from complicity in the systems of empire, complicity which one cannot avoid when sin is thought of not only as personal peccadilloes, but systematic and structural. This is why not everyone gathered by the Jordan River that day stepped into the water with John. The religious professionals interested in maintaining the status quo that profited them with power and privilege would have none of this baptism. Sure, they would be people who would go to great lengths to repent of sin and promote fastidious law-keeping. In their mind, though, repentance is what other people needed to do. It's what the sex workers needed to do, and the tax collectors, and the thieves, and the adulterers, and the drunkards, and so on. But Jesus upsets everything by traveling all the way from Nazareth to step into that river. It was a scandalous act. How can Jesus, the sinless one, be baptized for repentance? It might help us to look closely at the most common prayer of confession, perhaps utilized in almost all ancient liturgies. That confession goes like this. We pray, most most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Do you understand now how Jesus, in his sinlessness, can pray that prayer? He's not going to say, Most merciful God, I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. But Jesus can so join humanity that he is willing to be identified with our sin, our problem. Jesus joins the human race and is willing to pray, We confess we have sinned. Because in the great systems of sin, we can't always pin things on any one person. But the systems of oppression are there and are the greatest single source of human suffering, creational suffering, and injustice in the world. And dismantling them involves all of us saying together, we have done this. We have participated in this. We breathe this air. We have no choice but to be participating in this in many ways because we are so, it feels, so caught up in it. And so we must intentionally seek to dismantle this. And it begins with the repentance. We are, as you all know, dealing with the systemic sin of white supremacy coupled with Christian nationalism. Do you want to do the work of repenting? This this is the good work Jesus joins you in. Join us this Thursday as we offer another class to help you understand and interrogate and, yes, repent of how white supremacy has imprisoned you and hurt so many others horribly. The gospel of Jesus is about the liberation of all people. I've been talking a lot about what we must do. And, yes, you must step into the Jordan with Jesus. But I want you to know that this is also about simply receiving. Receiving. About your being receptive to hearing the same words spoken over Jesus, spoken over you. Jesus hears from heaven words he will never forget. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. You, Janet, you, Debbie, you, Don, you, Ryan, you, Alex, you, Jared, you, Wendy, you, Mary, you, Mark, say your name and hear. You are my child the beloved with you I am well pleased because friends it is as we follow Jesus into the Jordan that our ears are cleaned out and we can finally hear the words that have been spoken over us for eternity That you are the object of God's God's affection which is why you have a soul for you to receive the affections of God into your life that your purpose from here on is to explore your belovedness to God and it's a gift to grow into over time and before you have done anything to look good to look better to keep the approval coming God's attitude towards you the unshakable affection which God has for you which is the core of your identity is that you are the beloved you are the beloved child of God don't you know this is a moment that Jesus carried with him throughout his life don't you know when he was mocked that when he was laughed at that when he was doubted that when he was betrayed when he was alone that these words came ringing into his soul This is my son with you, the beloved, I am well pleased. And friends, these are the words we need to ring into our soul as we live in the midst of the crises that we confront as we continue on in 2021. Because the Spirit declares that we are God's beloved. And if the Spirit declares that we are God's beloved, it is a spirit of advocacy, You advocate for those that don't have a voice, for those that are oppressed, for the weak, the disenfranchised. It's not a spirit of accusation. That's the voice of another spirit altogether. But this Holy Spirit is a spirit of advocacy. And friends, if we're going to stand with Jesus in the waters of repentance, not on the bank in judgment in the waters of advocacy, not on the bank of accusation, in the waters of humility, not on the bank of pride, we must step in. It is in the waters of the reign of God, not on the bank of nationalism and oppression. So I invite you, as I challenge myself, to step into those waters and at least begin the process by saying, I don't have all the answers to systemic injustice but I start with humility I start with repentance I start with not making excuses I start with prayer to a merciful God who calls me and loves me into something higher than my complacency my self-satisfaction and the comfort of my affluence We are baptized into the Word made flesh. Why? So that you might become the flesh made Word. So that you might become an agent of what you've received. God's agent of grace and acceptance and forgiveness and mercy. When I was growing up, there was an old preacher that would come to town every now and then. Very dramatic. He was not the pastor of our church. He was just one of these traveling evangelists. Forgot his name. My sister's watching this right now. She knows the name. And he would say, it's a thirsty world out there. I can't help but think about that right now just how thirsty this world is for love for mercy for grace let's be conduits of that shall we as we live out our baptismal identities let us pray gracious God it's so easy to preach this It's so easy to talk about this. It's not easy to do this. We are so conflicted. We are filled with anger or anxiety or rage or fear or all of the above. Help us right now to unclench our jaws, to rest our shoulders, to listen to our own breath and to rest in your loving presence that we might be grounded in the words you speak over us calling our name and telling us that we are your beloved children and that you delight in us Give us grace to believe that today we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.